Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Luke chapter 16, if you have your Bibles and if you're joining us online, Right at Rossville campus, we're so glad you're there no matter where you are. We know we have people traveling today and watching from hotel rooms and condos and all that. So thank you for joining in even while you're traveling. Well, Luke chapter 16, I start a sermon series. This will be the fifth sermon called Next, What Happens After This. We've talked about what the culture will be like when we get to the end of days. We've talked about maybe even what a timeline of end events will look like. We've, We've talked about that. That one thing that we almost always overlook that happens before or after death, after the rapture and before our final place, and that's the judgment. And in these last two weeks, I've been looking at the final abode. There are two places to go when you die. And so last week I preached on heaven, what we know about heaven. Today, I want to preach for just a few minutes on what we know about hell. There are only two places to go when you die, heaven and, say it with me, hell. We don't talk about it very much. Even if you come here this morning and don't really buy into the whole Jesus Bible thing, you you have to have some belief about what happens to you after you die. Even if you were to be listening to this sermon Days, weeks, months, years from now, and you're thinking, well, I don't really buy it. Well, where do we go in the Bible? Where does the truth lie? What does the Bible say? And I'd say to you this morning that the truth lies in the Word of God. There are, there are two places to go when you die. There is eternal happiness. We call that heaven. There is eternal torment. We call that hell. There are only two places to go, two and only two. There is no in-between, there is no alternate, there is no graduation from one to the next. You will spend eternity in eternal happiness called heaven, or you'll spend eternity in eternal torment, and the Bible calls that hell. I want to tell you this morning that the Bible is not unclear on the subject of hell. Hell in the Bible, and in reality, is a very, very real place. Now I'm going to tell you, we kind of, we kind of know hell is real. What do you mean preacher? We kind of know. Uh, For example, if you look at what the statistics tell us, 58% of all adults in America believe there's a hell. We, we kind of know it's real. 82% of evangelicals, that, that would be us, believe there is a hell. But then who doesn't believe in hell? Well, 21% of people with a college degree. Uh, That's all that believe in hell. But here's the interesting stat. 67% of people who do not believe in hell have never read the Bible. So of the majority of people who do not believe in hell, the majority of them have never even read the Bible to find out what the Bible says. 64% of people who do not believe in hell do not believe the Bible 
is the Word of God. So here we're taking a lot of our theology a lot of times from people who have never read the Bible, from people who don't believe in the Bible, and we're building theology around people who don't know anything about what God has said. And so if we believe the Bible that there is a heaven, we are forced to believe the Bible that there is a hell. And I'm going to tell you there is an instinctive belief among most people that hell is a real place. Jesus said it's a real place, and the Bible confirms it's a real place. Hell is real. So what do we know about it in order to avoid it? Here's what I want to do today. I want to read a passage that if if I said, let's talk about hell, it's the passage you would have probably thought about. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word? It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 is, uh, are the words of Jesus uh, speaking to his disciples. Look, look in Luke 16 verse 19. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. One day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Being in torment in Hades, hell, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out. Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received your good things just as Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted while you are in agony. Besides all this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass over from here to you cannot, neither can those from there cross over to us. Father, he said, I beg you, send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them. So they won't also come to the place, this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Thank you, you may be seated. When you think of hell in the Bible, this is probably the passage that most would bring to mind. And so I almost preached a sermon from this passage, but here's what I want to do today. You don't hear a lot of sermons on hell, and so what I want to do is go through the entire Bible and see what the Bible says about hell. And what I want to do is answer a few questions about an eternity in hell. So can I answer just a few questions about hell this morning? Number one, I want to answer this question. What if I don't believe in hell? What if I don't believe in hell? Some people have the idea that if they simply refuse to acknowledge the existence of hell, that they can avoid it. That is, if I don't believe in it, it must not exist. If I don't believe in it, it does not exist. And so these people will refuse to acknowledge a hell. They'll refuse to acknowledge a place of torment. They're fine with heaven, but they will not believe in hell. But hear me this morning. My belief in something doesn't determine its existence or not. You say, I don't believe in it. Doesn't matter. 
I do believe in it. It doesn't matter. The facts of it are real. Our belief doesn't alter the facts that whether or not a hell exists is not based on whether I believe it. It's based on what God says about hell. What have others argued about hell? Here's what we've heard other people say. They say that when you die, maybe you just cease to exist. So when I die, I'm just gone. My conscious uh, evaporates. My conscious dies. My soul is non-existent. My body dies. My, my mental force dies with it. There's a problem with that theory. It makes no sense because it never answers the question of origin. Because it makes logical sense that if we came from something, we have to go to something as well. Some would say, well, how about this? We'll just have heaven for all. That's called universalism in a theological term. Everybody's going to heaven. Let's just all go to heaven in the end. Let me ask you a question. Are you comfortable with that? Is it okay that, and I hate to jump right here, is it okay that Hitler winds up in heaven? Is it okay that Saddam Hussein winds up in heaven? Is it okay that Jeffrey Dahmer or somebody like that who never trusted Jesus? Of course not. Why, if everybody goes to heaven, answer me this question, why did Jesus have to die? And if everybody goes to heaven, why would the Bible say, whosoever will may come? Meaning there are some that whosoever won't. Well, then there's some say, I don't believe in hell because I believe everybody will get a second chance. Believe that after death, there's a way to escape hell. Catholic Church teaches this, that maybe there's a way out after we die. But hear me, the Bible gives no space or opportunity for that. And it refers to hell over and over again as eternal torment. Meaning once you get there, you never leave. Then there's some that believe in what we'll call annihilationism. That is, a person dies like an animal, ceases to exist. That's for all people. That it denies the resurrection of the unsaved. It denies conscious torment. And the problem is it's never, ever mentioned in the Scripture. From the very beginning of the Bible, we're told about life after death. And then we have some, finally, who would say this. Well, I don't believe in hell because a loving God would not send people to hell. But a just and holy God would have no choice. You say, but he's a loving God. Yes, but the Bible is just as plain that he is a holy God, that he is a, he is a just God. And though a loving God alone may not send people to hell, a God that is love and a God that is just and a God that is holy would have absolutely no choice but to send people to hell. You say, well, what about the love of God? Listen, a loving God would provide a way out of hell. And he has. At great personal cost. It was his son he gave. So you would not have to go to hell. And if God has provided a way, hear me, God doesn't choose to send people to hell. You choose to go to hell. Just because people don't believe in hell does not take it away. By the way, that logic doesn't work in any area of life, does it? You can choose to believe that you don't have to pay taxes, right? But the government's going to hunt you down eventually. 
You can choose to believe. I'll tell you what, leave our parking lot today and choose to believe there are no such thing as speed limits. And this parking lot full of patrol cars will quickly prove to you it doesn't matter what you believe. <laughs> let, let me do this. I can climb to the top of the Empire State Building, look over the edge, and say, I do not believe in gravity. But does my belief alter the fact that if I jump, I'll die? No. Because what I believe does not alter reality. You don't get to randomly not believe in something and it become a reality. So hear me this morning. Your belief in hell does not determine its reality. Denying its existence makes your life more precarious. Please tell me you're not holding your eternity in a made-up option like, well, I don't believe in it, with absolutely nothing to back it up. And there are people that would say, well, I believe a loving God would not send people to hell, but they've never read the Bible that a loving God sent to them that says, whosoever will may come. And that same loving Bible speaks about a loving God that died so you would not have to go. But in that same page, it talks about hell over and over and over and over again. What if I don't believe in hell? It doesn't matter whether or not you believe it. Hell is real. Answer the second question this morning. Is hell a place of fire? Once people realize hell is a place and their disbelief in it doesn't affect it, the next thing they try to do is renovate hell. Right? So, well, if it's going to be there, let me just renovate it and make it a better place to go. So what we try to do is we try to make hell, make it a palatable place. And here's what we do with hell. We try to make hell not hell. We try, we try to make hell a place uh, that's just uncomfortable. Right? So we, we believe in hell, preacher, but we don't believe it's torment. We don't believe there's fire in hell. We just believe it's an uncomfortable place. And we say things like this. Well, at least I'll have some friends with me there. No, you won't. You say, well, it, it can't be worse than what I'm going through now. Yes, it can. By the way, there are, there are phrases that the devil has brought into our vernacular. Phrases like, well, I've been through hell and back in, in my life. Or I'm going through hell right now. Or I, I've got hell on earth right now. Hear me, you do not. Those phrases are literally the devil's attempt to renovate hell. Some people say, well, hell's where the party is. No, there's no party in hell. Some people say, my punishment in hell, I've heard it so much, is will be tailored to me. I'll be in a room full of chocolate cake and not be able to eat it. No, no. All that's just trying to make hell uncomfortable, not a place of torment. All of those are just trying to air condition hell, so to speak. Now hear me, when we talk about hell, we have to consider the now hell and the eternal hell. Just like heaven, we have the now heaven and the eternal heaven. The now heaven's called heaven, the new heaven is called the uh, 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 new Jerusalem, uh, the new city coming down from God out of heaven. Hell's the same way. You have the now hell that in Revelation 20, 
will be emptied out into the forever hell, and it's called the lake of fire. So now we call it hell, then we'll call it the lake of fire. So I'm going to stick with the final destination because it's going to go from horrible to, to indescribable. But let me give you a few ways the Bible describes that final hell and is there fire really in it. Here's what the Bible tells us, that number one, hell is a place of darkness. Here's what the Bible says over and over again, Matthew 25, and throw this good for nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Multiple times, the Bible describes hell as a place of utter and complete darkness. That is, wherever hell is, all the light-giving entities are gone. There is no sun, there is no moon, there is no stars. Heaven is devoid of all of those as well. You say, well, where does heaven get its light? Jesus is the light of heaven. But he's not found in hell. Hell's a place of total and complete darkness, void of light, void of goodness. Listen to me, hell has no fellowship, hell has no friendship, hell has no party, hell has no activity. It is constant torment. It's a place of darkness. Next, we're told it's a place of mental anguish. Mental anguish. There's an interesting verse in Mark chapter 9 that says this, um, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Where the worm does not die. Now, let me give you a little background here. Jerusalem's ancient garbage dump was a place called Ghana. And it was illustrative of the ceaseless agonies of hell. So Ghana was the dump on the south side of Jerusalem. Where Ghana was... In Old Testament times, children had been sacrificed to idols. And so they turned it into a garbage dump. And in Jesus' day, it was a place burning with constant fires to consume the garbage that was thrown in there. People threw everything from household trash to animal carcasses to convicted criminals. Maggots, worms, would have been a constant decor in the dump. So when you get to Mark chapter 9, verse 48, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, most theologians believe that this is not a little worm, that it is your nagging conscience and mind in hell. Now you say, could it be little worms? It absolutely could be. But the context maybe dictates that it is more of a mental anguish. You say, well, what, what's going to be my mental anguish? I'm in physical pain. What's my mental anguish in, in hell? I'll tell you exactly what it is going to be. Your mental anguish in hell is going to be your sins against God that you can't get out of your mind that you're paying for. Your mental anguish is going to be your sins against others. That you're paying for, you cannot get out of your mind. Let me tell you what, your, your, your conscious, your mental anguish is going to be over and over and over and over and over again in your mind. You're going to recall you, the opportunities you had to hear the gospel. And you didn't respond. You're going to hear this sermon and others playing over and over in your mind. And your mind is going to be screaming of missed opportunities. 
That's why in Revelation chapter 21, Jesus, remember the Bible says that he wipes away all tears from our eyes? He's having to wipe away our tears as we come out of the judgment, as we've come out of Revelation chapter 20. And God's supernaturally going to take that mental anguish away from us that we would naturally live with. But in hell, it's not gone. It's a place of mental anguish. Number three, it's a place of emotional anguish. Matthew chapter 25 he said, throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Emotional pain. There's no party in hell. There are no friends in hell. Hell will be a place where tears will forever flow. That weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth can be in anger and pain or in regret. The emotional anguish of Hell will be crippling. Next thing we know about hell is that it's a place of total separation from God. Second Thessalonians, Paul said this about hell. He said, they will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence, from his glorious strength. You say, well, of all the things you're talking about hell, why do I care about this? Why does this need to be included? Because eternal separation from God matters. I'll, I'll, I'll prove it to you. You will be eternally separated from the mercy of God. Eternally separated from the grace of God. Eternally separated from the love of God. Eternally separated from the compassion of God and the care of God and the goodness of God and the kindness of God and the healing of God. Everything that makes life worth living will be gone the bible says this the book of james tells us this that every good gift comes from the lord every good gift comes from the lord and when you're eternally separated from god you are uh, separated from anything good that could even possibly happen in your life we're told in the bible that heaven is a place of fire It says this in the Bible, Revelation 20, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets are and they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Y'all know I love a good Greek word every now and then and dig down in it. You know what that means in the Greek? Fire. It means fire. More to reality, in Revelation 20, it may mean a molten lava-type substance. Hell is without a doubt a place of literal torment by fire. A lake of fire and brimstone burning but never burning up. You say, well, how my body, listen, you will be in a supernatural state where you will burn but not burn up in a place of literal fire. And you say, well, preacher, what if it's not literal fire and brimstone? Hear me, it is, but what if it's not? Then you tell me what could be so horrific that the closest comparison that God could find for our minds would be an eternity living in molten lava. But over and over, the Bible gives no space for anything but fire. And finally, it tells us it's a place of eternity. Eternal fire forever and ever and ever. Revelation 20 again. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets are. 
and they will be tormented day and night. Say it with me. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. Forever and forever. Hell does not end. It is forever and ever. And just as heaven is eternal bliss, hell is eternal torment. Why? Our sins are worse than we could ever realize. Our sins do not just disappear. They had to be atoned for. And when you get to this place in the book of Revelation, the day of atonement is over. You will never get out. You will never escape. You'll never get any relief. You'll not get a moment of comfort. It is forever and ever hear me is hell a place of fire it is a place of fire so much worse and here's what it is it is a place that is final final this is it they tell us that one of the greatest human pleasures one of the greatest human motivators The one thing that keeps us going when nothing else can is a little word called hope. I may be in a bad situation now, but I have hope that it's going to get better. The doctor may have given me bad news, but I have hope it could be cured. My family may not be what I want it to be, but I have hope that I'll be rescued. And when we get here and you get to hell, it is as final as the final can be. It is final for all of eternity and for the first time in human history. Listen, the first time in human history, mankind is without hope. Third question I want to answer about hell is this. How do I wind up in hell? Right? How do I wind up in hell? And did you know the answer to this question is so simple? Do you know what you have to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. See, you're born a sinner, and you sin, and every man and woman must pay for that sin. And you can either accept Jesus' payment on the cross Or you can spend eternity paying a debt that you can never pay. And can I tell you, the greatest lie of the devil, the greatest lie he has is not do not get saved. The devil would never tell you that. He knows you're smarter than that. He knows as you're listening to this sermon right now, he knows you're smarter than that. So here's how the devil lies to you. He says, don't get saved today. You've got some things you need to do, some things you need to take care of, some life you need to live, some sins you still want to engage in. You get saved one day. Now's not the time to get saved. There's plenty of time to get saved. Why would he tell you that? I'll tell you why he tells you that. All he wants you to do is nothing. Nothing. Sit back, enjoy life, and do nothing. And you'll wind up in a devil's hell, and you won't have to do anything. But the trouble is nothing, nothing will get you out. So number four, and I'm finished. How do I avoid hell? Right, once I read Luke 16, I have one question. How do I avoid hell? Can I say this? This ought to be the question of your life, right? How do I avoid hell? The question of all of life is how do I avoid this awful place? John chapter 3, we spend most of our time on verse 16. John chapter 3 is full, 
full of such beautiful imagery. But John 3.18 says it so well. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. How do I avoid hell? It could not be more black and white it is that word believe there doesn't mean you mentally acknowledge it jesus it means you put your faith and trust in jesus and here's what jesus said if you have not done that your life is already condemned to hell you don't have to do anything if you simply have not trusted jesus then you are already on your way to a devil's hell but if you want to avoid hell here's what you do you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. Close your Bibles and stand with me. I hear preachers say this all the time. I'll be honest with you, I think it's ridiculous. I hear preachers say this all the time. They say things like this Well, not wanting to go to hell is not a good reason to get saved. That may be going through your mind right now. The question on your mind may be, is wanting to avoid hell a good enough reason to be saved? Let me tell you my story. I was saved 12 years old. And uh, I'd heard a preacher preach on hell months before this. But uh, God took that sermon and began to work on my heart. And I can't describe it. We, we, we today, a preacher would call it the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. And my heart was so convicted. And God took that sermon and began to work the conviction of God in my heart and life. So I, I couldn't think. I couldn't focus. I couldn't eat. And I dreaded nighttime like you cannot imagine. I dreaded it was, it was in December 1980 and it was dark early and I dreaded it the fear of darkness crippled me because I knew my parents were going to put me in the bed and I was going to lay there a middle school boy and it'd come back if I'd gotten any relief that day it was coming back to me and I would lay in bed all night every night not sleeping, blurry-eyed, and I had one fear in my life. If I died tonight, I'm going to die and spend eternity in hell. And the devil would tell me, oh, just the same thing he tells you. Well, you're, you're young, you can get saved later. You're young, you can get saved at another time. You're young, don't worry about it right now. But over and over again, the Spirit of God kept drawing me and drawing me and drawing me. It was one night, believe me or not, it was about 2 a.m., December 23rd, 1980. was laying in bed that night, and literally my sheets were wet from the sweat of my anxiety. And I was sitting there pushing the Spirit of God away, the whole time afraid I'm going to die and go to hell. And as clear as a bell, I didn't hear an audible voice, but as clear as a bell, God spoke to my heart. Get saved tonight, or I'm going to step away from your life. The way I interpreted that then was not God was going to kill me, God's going to take me out. But get saved now, or I'm going to leave you alone. 
And when I leave you alone, you may never have a thought of God again, a thought of eternity again, the conviction of God again. And it's as clear God spoke to my heart. And in tears and anxiety, thank God I had enough sense to get up out of my bed, go to my parents, wake them up, and say, I need to be saved. They they argued with me. My dad said, no, you're a church member. You don't need to be saved. You're good. And I'm like, nope, I'm lost. Let's do it now. Now. I mean, God didn't have a conversation. You're wrong. I'm right. I'm dying, going to hell. Let's take care of it. There by my parents' bedside, I prayed and received Jesus as my Savior. Is hell a good reason not? Is hell a good reason to get saved? Jesus said this in Luke 12, 5, but I will show you the one to fear. Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Is hell a good reason to be saved? What about the love of God? Jesus loves you so much. That's the whole point. That he came and gave his life for you so you would not have to die and go to hell. What about the, what about the joys of the Christian life? Yes, it's joyful to be a child of God. But eternity is what matters. Do you know for sure that when you die, you'll spend eternity in a place called heaven and not eternity in a place called hell? It is the most important question of life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes around the room? If you're watching at home, Jeremy's got a word for you just now. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that message. And what a sobering reminder. Hey, the truth is, we don't like to talk about hell. It's a subject that, that we try to avoid, but it is a reality for humanity. And the fact is, all of us someday will stand before God And there are only two places that we can go. One is heaven and one is hell. And it isn't how good you are or it isn't how bad you are that sends you to heaven or hell. It's whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, man, there is no better time than today. Scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. And if God has spoken to your heart and you understand that you're a sinner and you understand that your sin separates you from God and you believe that Jesus died on the cross and the blood sacrifice of God's Son Jesus pays for all of your sin and you confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior, then today you can become a Christian. If God's spoken to your heart and you feel like you need to do that today, then tell God this, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose again to pay the penalty for my sin. I ask you right now through the power of your Holy Spirit to come into my heart take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time and you meant it, hey, that's something to celebrate because not only are you uh, now no longer a sinner bound for hell, but you're a saint bound for heaven. 
You've got a relationship with Jesus. You've got the Holy Spirit living inside your heart. And that's something to celebrate. And we want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And the only way we can do that is if you'll let us know the decision that you made. And so if you would, pull out your phone again. If you made that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, text I did I D I D to the number 97,000. We're going to connect with you this week and help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Hey, it has been great to be in God's house. Hey, do this for me. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. I hope the reality of heaven and hell in these last two messages has been convicting for you and challenging that you need to tell more people about Him. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.